is for the passionate Seahawks fans. The ones who care about scheme more than hot takes. The, 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 the ones who want X's and O's and not talking heads. From the eye in the sky. This is Seattle Overload. Seattle Overload. With your hosts, Matty F. Brown, Griffin Sturgeon, and Ty Dane Gonzalez. Welcome to the Seattle Overload Tape Review Podcast, where Griff and I are diving into the Seattle Seahawks Week 8 victory over the Cleveland Browns. We have our two key topics. We may get to the second topic. We certainly will cover the first topic, and we've promised you guys defense, and the defense has been performing really well of late. So typically, we're going to be looking at how the defense had some difficulties against the Cleveland Browns rushing attack specifically some uh, certain types of concepts. I think it's pretty insightful because um, Seattle's running so much of this one look, this one front, this nickel over front, and the way that Cleveland was able to move the ball against it uh, may suggest some issues down the line. However, the way Seattle was then able to kind of stop the run to a degree is also encouraging, and we didn't feel that optimistic about the run game after the game. Um since it happened, we, I think, feel a bit more positive since we've watched the tape, we'll have to see. And then if we have time offensively, we're going to look at, um, if we get the time, as I said, Geno Smith and the opening drive, and then talk about, you know, how the offense stalled and then how they came back and all of that good stuff. But before all of that, Griff, we have uh, two elements of Seahawks news to deal with. Now, this is kind of rumor slash news, but it's been uh, multiple people have reported it. So, Griff, it's interesting that um, Jonathan Allen could have been a Seahawk. Yeah. So, um, DC Radio initially said, and then Brady Henderson of ESPN confirmed that the Seahawks initially reached out to the Commanders for uh, Jonathan Allen, um, which is you know interesting. And then um, they said no like they weren't trading him and they countered and actually offered chase young according to brady henderson and the seahawks said no they wanted no part of him conceivably at any price i mean if they said for a six round pick they probably not saying no but i don't think second third round pick they were going to go there um so i don't think they wanted him period really then they, they there, there's some commentary there that they clearly wanted interior now they were connected to josh uche um as well so maybe they just wanted the the right guy at the right price right um but i mean yeah john allen is a better player than Leonard williams that doesn't make Leonard williams not also a very good player um it's just allen is just like one notch above him you know because he's just an incredible player that said allen is kind of having a down year but i think that's because they're in a bad situation um leonard has been more leo has been more productive this year than john allen like like he he literally has been um I don't know if I'd say that he's a better player, though. I'm just I would bet on Allen's body of work, which again is just a notch above Leonard's. But um, yeah, so it was cool that they were they were actually active at the trade deadline, really trying to make things happen. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think you'd be happy with either. Really, it would have been interesting to see what Allen would have looked like in this defense. And then Griff, what was the what was the other news? Was there other news? Um, I don't think so. I mean, I mentioned Josh Uche. Yeah. So the, the yeah, thank you. Yeah, the Uche thing is interesting. You know, because it had been reported by Albert Breer that Seattle was before Uche and the Royce's injury 
considering moving Daryl Taylor. And I, I wonder if that could have been a thing where if Nwosu hadn't got injured, they may have tried to package Taylor into an Uche deal. Uh, I know Taylor last year, uh, he ended up not playing as often and they ended up having to sign two veterans off the street, um, Daryl Johnson and then Bruce Irvin after Johnson got hurt as early down edge setters because they just didn't trust Bruce Irvin. To, uh, they didn't trust Daryl Taylor to be able to set an edge. So I think there's something there with the coaching staff, clearly not that enamored with Taylor. He's actually been a lot better against the run this year other than that um, Josh Dobbs uh, QB keeper touchdown, which I believe was on him. But, you know, he there's clearly a bit more buying and there's clearly a bit more understanding from him about what his responsibility is against the run. That being said, I think the coaching staff clearly doesn't mess with him. I think there's something coachability-wise well, where I, I'm, I'm kind of getting a vibe. But we'll see. Me- I think we've just seen Taylor's peak. Unfortunately, he I mean, he has gotten it together a little bit in run defense, pass rush wise. I mean, he's not a one trick pony in that he doesn't have like he's not raw. That's not his issue. He's just too light. He, I mean, he's he's he his speed is a problem. Like you, offenses have to account for him on passing downs. He can set up stunts because they they will overset and then he can loop back inside. Um, like he got his sack, even though we think of as, even though we think of stunts as, um, as like schemed part of the reason why he had so much space on the loop is because the guard and tackle are kicking really hard on a clear passing situation to account for Taylor's ability to bend and, and, and run the arc so quickly. Um, and like th- three years in a row, um, he's been really productive. Well, two years in a row, he's been really productive in the back half of the year. So like it's just with the way he rushes, he's going to get production in time. It's just he's he's too light to really impact tackles and make them feel him. Which you know, like he's got moves at the top of the arc. Like he has corner moves. He knows how to rush. He's he does have technique. It just doesn't always show up because like it's a two hundred and forty pound body, two forty five pound body that he's got, and he doesn't have like strength commensurate with that of like a 250 255 guy like boy my face 250 255 and he plays like he's 265 you know um same with nuosu taylor doesn't play above his weight he plays at his weight so i just feel like you know what he is is he's going to be a six to nine sack kind of guy every year um he can make some explosive plays in the, in the backfield as a run defender he's not going to be super stout though at the with an anchor um it's just I feel like they're, the writing's on the wall. He's going to walk, and he's a good depth rotational guy to have on a team. A lot of teams would like to have him coming off the bench, Seahawks mm-hmm. included, but they're not going to be in the position to throw five, six, seven million at him in the offseason. He's going to have to walk, and they're going to have to draft his replacement. And if he does get, you know, that second half of the season resurgence or not resurgence, but kind of coming alive that we've seen in, in previous seasons with him. And he does get to like nine and a half sacks again. He on the open market is going to make more than Seattle would have probably paid him if they needed to anyway, you know? Um, yeah. So it's kind of a, that'll be his kind of goal heading into that. Well, heading into the rest of the season. Now we're almost in the second half of the season, which is crazy to say. Um, yeah, is what it is. Obviously, Seattle giving up their second round pick for Leonard Williams, who drifted a great breakdown video on. Maybe they, you know, 
past few years they've drafted a edge rusher in that second round maybe they trade down from the first maybe they package it two thirds to get back up into that kind of 50 60 ish range to get another uh like Dow taylor replacement we'll have to see where that comes from obviously there's some other stuff they could uh work out too now the other news is the seahawks injury report is out it's uh the thursday report so you kind of get a better idea of who's going to make it, uh, who's going to be able to play. Now, you know, there's a few few guys who didn't practice, but as often happens. But the real thing to focus on is Anthony Bradford didn't practice with an ankle injury. And then Damian Lewis didn't practice with an ankle slash illness. Meanwhile, Phil Haynes was a full participant. So the interior of the offensive line still experiencing some issues. Uh, Evan Brown, it's good to see him not on the injury report. Obviously, he'd been dealing with some stuff. Missed a game, didn't he? Um, yeah. I, if, uh, if Haynes can't go, and apparently... Yeah, sorry, if, if Lewis can't go, and, you know, how much of that is his illness compared to his ankle, we, we don't know. But if he can't go... Then it could be a case of Haynes. If he can go, he was a full participant um, in practice. Uh, it could be a case of Haynes slotting over to the left side, like how he's played in the past. And then at right guard, where Haynes would usually play, you could get Jake Curhan working in there. You could even get Jason Peters working in there. It'd be a bit yikes. Have to see. I mean, the good news from Sunday was Stone Forsyth really kind of holding his own as a right tackle griff and and even in the run game like some getting some really nice like ceiling blocks on the backside of runs yeah 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 stone's just developing i mean he's a he was a good college tackle his issue was play strength um you know taking on bull rushes and and then also delivering in the run game but like that's kind of catching up a little bit i think he's figuring it out um I mean, he's been, he's had two good weeks of like really good play, honestly, right? Tackle the first week against the um, Cardinals, you know, you worry because it's uh, quality of opponent, right? And then the second week against the Browns, though, I mean, he might have had the best individual day of all five of them. And, and Cross, Cross got more um, of Garrett and Cross held up well, considering he's going up against Garrett, but he did give up a few pressures. Um, he gave up a sack, too. Um, but then, like, you know, Forsyth was still going against Darius Smith, who's very good himself. So, um, I mean, he's honestly, if they can get that out of the right tackle moving forward, they just need to worry about right guard and then hoping that Lewis can stay healthy. Um, yeah, I mean, imagine if just this weekend, if Lewis is able to uh, practice on Friday and uh, participate and... You know, it is more an illness holding him out of this practice, not that ankle. I mean, <laughs> Seattle, for the first time in quite a while, would have um, Lewis, Brown, Cross, uh, Haynes. Like, and yeah. it should be one guy as, as, a, as a backup or the, the kind of second string option uh, at right tackle. Um, the Abraham Lucas thing is really odd. Like, it sounds really painful and sore and he's been dealing with it through camp but yeah i guess he can return from ir when they want to he's missed the mandatory four games but yeah, yeah it doesn't sound too good the i don't know what they're they're probably trying all sorts of things but yeah 
Yeah. And it's described as just pain. So anyway. Right, Griff. So defensively overall for the Browns game, this past game, I was I came away with, you know, as we sort of said after the game live, you know, you, you remove the screenplays, they and you some there were some weird things with how they're covering Amari Cooper where I mean, Reek Woolen's coming back from that knee uh, operation, and I think he's just still getting back his full movement capabilities. Not, not that I think he's permanently damaged, but I think after an operation like that, you, you sort of have to really just get reps and reps and reps and reps and reps. Not that I've got personal experience of that, nor do I have personal experience of playing in the NFL as a corner. But he just looks slightly rusty, and I think by the end of the season, he'll be back to more like normal. But that combined with, you know, a few other things and Cooper being really, really good and, and them having a good um, good game plan going into it, mm-hmm. uh, it, it didn't mean good stuff. But, like, the way Seattle was playing their coverage, they didn't respect P.J. Walker's ability to access beyond, like, the first level of th- throws down the field. And most right. of the time they were proved fairly correct in that uh, assumption. It was just the screenplays. Yeah, it was just primarily the screenplays and then, like you said, the isolation to Mari Cooper on a couple of plays. Beyond that, like, there wasn't much going on. Um, there, The one play that grates me is they kind of have that 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 seam route that sits down against half-quarter, quarter. Devin Witherspoon doesn't cap his depth in his zone. He's playing the check down. Yeah, it was um, like um, it was like a case of does goes the, back to what does, you said about Walker. Does the cl- well, and also, does the cloud defender play that, or does the curl defender? Well, it's the way I see it. Ultimately, is it's two in the seam, but I think it was yeah, bunch. I agree. But so Devin's been really good about getting depth and finding finding the the possibility oh, of the breaker. Yeah. So it's the one time he didn't, and it's like, is he just thinking about, you know, Walker's just going to hit the check down? Um, but um. Yeah, it's uh, on some of those screens they were they were completely fooled by some of them, and then on some of them they were they were pretty close to figuring it out. It was just the the Browns probably drilled the crap out of it on offense because they know it's going to be their money maker as far as moving the ball with Walker. And Njoku's a good player, but um, I'm not really worried about their screen issue. Prior to this game, they've been defending screens really well, so um, you know it's probably I mean, just variance hitting. Yeah variants um the browns executing really well but also there's a, a part of that's kind of luck based like all of football's luck based but certainly luck influenced when when it comes to a screen hitting at just the right time um and then two of them were just on frank clark uh, i'm sure there's a bit of rust there and seattle did practice them uh as both pete carroll and clint hurt said they had a lot of them in the kind of opposition scout periods of practice. They just hit. I don't think you can. Like it's not worth overreacting about, but yeah, it just requires some savvier edge play, savvier D line play. Like on the double screen, they ironically played the or like the triple screen, really, isn't it? Yeah. They um they played the two edge parts really well, just the middle didn't. So right. that's how that happens. Um. Yeah, I think they'll be okay. Uh, yeah, Tyler so asked, was Tyler asked, did ahead. they run the Shanahan double fake screen with the tight end seam route? Yeah, 
that was yeah, what that was. Was the same play, yeah. Yeah, so I'm not really worried about the um the pass defense in terms of what does this mean moving forward. It was a frustrating day result wise. Um but but still like it wasn't an abject disaster. They had the eighteenth ranked pass defense. Against Walker, eighteenth rank doesn't feel very good. But it's not as though, you know, they were just utterly destroyed. Um, yeah. So they they continue to defend um play action under center play action, play action boots really well. They're they're the best defense of the league at defending that right now. And you know, you, we talk about how screens like Ostefanski can manufacture production with the areas where a good play caller can manufacture production with, you know, not having a good quarterback is screens and then like play action specifically boot play action, right? Because it can it can not always, but it can take the most pressure off of him. The Seahawks bottle those concepts up. So Stefanski wasn't able to fool them. Jamal, Bobby, Jordan, they all did really well with it. As to the corners, so um, they're leveraging those flat routes really well. Um, nothing is popping over the middle. Quandre Diggs had a cool referee kneeled down on one, um, kneeled down on the over route, corner replaced, three cool in. So they're, they're really sound at that. Um, so it was good to see that carry over against Stefanski. Definitely. So let's talk about the runs. So... Drif, in terms of the data, the the run, I don't know if you have that to hand right now, but yeah, I do. They're they're perfect. So their run defense uh, from the data shows up as being fairly damn good. So they, like I mean, fine. we're we're used to them being utterly dominant, right? So right. this week they gave up three point eight yards per carry. Their EPA was like ninth or tenth, so it wasn't that bad. The success rate was eighteenth, and I think that's again eighteenth. You take that especially if the EPA is low. But I think that explains what, because they've been like first, second, third every week in success rate, um, meaning yeah. the amount of amount of run plays that achieve positive EPA on that play, basically right. positive gains. So 18th is a little jarring, but the, the, they, they fell from like amazing to middle of the pack. And that's just in success rate, not like EPA. Like they didn't give up huge explosives. They just rattled off a couple of like six, seven, eight, nine yarders, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and when I'm watching it, it feels worse than it is because we're so used to them being amazing. So it's just yep. that that phenomenon of going from the best to like, like, okay, for the best to good. Like that's still a fall. That's still a big drop off, but it doesn't mean that the severity of the drop-off doesn't mean they were actually bad. They were still kind of okay. Um, but, yeah, we're going to look at um, why they did kind of give up some of those chunky runs yeah, that, they haven't, the, that they haven't been giving up all year. And just as opposing offenses that they face down the line will we'll look at this tape and be like, oh, that's something that we could do. Um, Seattle, hopefully, their coaching staff, the players, everyone will kind of learn from how this was a problem and come up with some solutions I also think, to, you know, hats off to Cleveland, a bit like with the screen thing where they knew that that was how they were going to be able to move the ball, so they had to execute it well. Uh, they really spent a lot of time in the details of this, and their guards in particular, along with the Ethan Post ticket centre, the way that they are able to uh, chip and climb and work together uh, to get, you know, ch change a run, create the alley, um, really free up the second level, uh, to to really make the lane uh, and block it up well, I think few teams in the league can do it that good. Um, yeah. Especially now that Seattle has Leonard Williams as like an extra 
extra dude in there. Uh, we have to say, because um, I, I don't think it will show on the tape, but Cam Young, he had a like probably his worst game, but that's harsh. He just got, he just came up against a really savvy, good opponent. Uh, similar thing for uh, Miles Adams as well, uh, going down the depth chart. You you put Leonard Williams in and his ability to play in the shade and, and spot um, Jaron, Jaron Reed, um, but also play predominantly where we expect in the three-tech spot for uh, Draymond Jones, that's big. Uh, and Mario Edwards is playing out of his mind too, by the way. Yeah, that's, that's such a funny storyline. I mean, the guy weighed like 275 last year. He hasn't played significant snaps on the inside in like three years, two years. He hasn't played this much since like his rookie year. And he's like the best he's ever looked. Like, what's going on there? Yeah. R run and pass. Like, yep. It's very so, funny. So, just before the tape, um, the Seahawks defense allowed nine explosive plays this week, which is higher again than previous weeks. Uh, so, again, it kind of feels whoa. And that is quite high. But uh, Pierre Strong, 41 yard catch. That was a screen. David Njoku, 41 yard catch. That was a screen. Amari Cooper, 24-yard catch, and one-yard Mario Edwards roughing. That was like iso ball. Cooper, 22-yard catch. Um, that was just bad cover two play from Woolen. Uh, Moore, 21-yard catch. I think that was a... That was the seam play, I think. Cooper, 20-yard catch. That was iso ball. Njoku, 18-yard touchdown catch. That was a screen. And then two 12-yard carries, which... Uh, I believe we we have on the tape. So the main issue was do do do, and also make sure you check out Griff's video on Leonard Williams, and make sure you check out our live reaction podcast. Even though it wasn't that live, but it, because it wasn't live, it actually had saw some um some good stuff where we weren't just being we we'd been able to analyze it a bit. So first. First up, this type of run was difficult for Seattle now. Um, I think why it's difficult is essentially Seattle uh, involves the nickel in the run fit quite a lot um, when they're in the nickel look. And by putting this tight end here and the passing strength here, uh, Cleveland's ensuring against too high that Seattle's going to put their three tech here Um but then the B-gap bubbles over here. So it's kind of a case of, as you'll see, uh, down the line with these runs, but it's something to kind of note and come back to. How does Seattle get a guy in the B-gap bubble? Because they, they don't want the... Um... That's interesting, actually. Why did why did Jamal Adams go on that side? Like, why, is he, why is he rotated to that side? Hmm. Well, it's um, it's over flex, right? Like, why is he not rotated to the Y? Is what you're saying? Yeah. Oh, no, not even rotated. Well, they're because um, he's the nickel. Like he'd usually go to the passing strength. Where are they in cover three, though? Oh, you're right. He's the nickel. Yeah. Um, that is very interesting, isn't it? Well, something to watch for there. Um. So this is this B gap bubble. Um, why is this run difficult? Um, okay. Because... Oh wait, 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 wait. Did he did the did the slot motion over and he just didn't follow? They they just bump it and then he motioned back. I don't think so. 
Oh, interesting. Maybe yeah. they know. Maybe they know he's going to motion. They knew. Right? So he's probably aligned to the field. That's probably the, that's probably the thing. The nickel aligns to the field. I d yeah, I didn't notice that, but we'll see. We'll see. It might come up. So it's just inside zone with um. Oh no, it's not. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, this is the the rollout smash. Why did I think I've got this charted wrong? Anyway, forget that. <laughs> Chat, clip that. Clip Maddie's clip mistake. That. Clip that. So, here's the tight end off the line of scrimmage. They motion... They like pre almost pre snap motion him. They split him along. You see how it just widens this B gap bubble. The guard and center handle the nose. This tackle because of this block is able to free release to Bobby falling back. And there's a natural crease up in here, um, and up in here depending on what the back is able to access. Um, Bobby so, makes a really good play here, but so that's Jam like a play. Sorry, go ahead, Griff. I was going to say Jamal's the seventh fitter, right? Yeah, so I So he's getting RPO. He's getting red right now. That kind of Yeah, so I think I think I think this is um down here's would be if this was a slot, this would be palms, right? Like yeah. I think Jamal's coverage key is basically 3, right? Uh here it would have to be yeah. Yeah, and then I guess this becomes he can just look in the backfield slow play, understand he's being red. But ultimately, he's not able to fit in this B like this. I'm surprised they wouldn't have Mafe almost spill this block. But I guess the threat of the quarterback keeper, Jamal, becomes the, the QB player. Um, and, and they need this outside because otherwise it's too much space. Yeah, it's almost broken, isn't it? And they do spill mostly in this game. Right. That, that's but, a, This is a great play by Bobby. Yeah, this is a and this is a play which really he, uh, all being equal, like on a whiteboard, um, that he's not supposed to make this play. Like this is a very impressive play to not get blocked, basically be yeah, the block. The, the tackle needs to make the block though. It's kind of inexcusable, but Bobby still makes it a great play. So, really, if Jamal's outside and Mafe's taking on this block here, uh. They're playing A into the B and Brooks is C into the A, right? And this right. is the key. And they they're fall falling back. back. Yeah. yeah, Brooks is probably just keying the back, uh, but sees that cross the face and Bobby's keying here to here. Um, so they, they, they end up fitting it well. I just think, why not spill the outside backer? Right. No, they should. And I think Mafe just probably makes the mistake there. Well... Yeah. Um, why I say why not spill it, chat, is because, uh, and listener, is because if if he takes this on with this shoulder here, it puts a body presence in here, um, and it means this isn't so wide. And you'll see down the line how that becomes an issue for Seattle. So Yeah. Um, sorry, Griff, did you have something? No, I was just going to say that it, it, would, it would spill the ball to help otherwise. By boxing and playing it outside Jamal is the help and you have to run further to make the tackle if if Bobby doesn't make the play. So Right. So here they're not stacked. Um so I believe this is just palms to the slot. 
So Spoons Readers 3, which is this dude right now. Um, this is the B-Gap Bubble. Um, again, clever from uh, the Browns of uh, having this guy start off here, knowing that Seattle will set the front to that side, so the B-Gap Bubble is going to be here, and then post-snap moving him over here. Um, this is really messed up. Like, Oh, he kind of tries to, doesn't he? So Bobby... Bobby's spilling the tackle, right? He just doesn't get... Technically, they're aligned for this. So, Mafe spills this. Yeah, he just gets a bit upfield. He's too... He's really wide. Yeah. But he's so, he kind of makes it... The angle's just weird to me. He could have made a hero play if he played was flatter. Yeah, and it doesn't help Cam Young gets moved out there, which, again, so, is, like, is tough, yeah. but... Well, and that, that's Cam Young's, like, the weakness of his game is that he doesn't sink his hips very much. He's usually so strong, it doesn't matter. He didn't handle – I mean, he handled combo blocks in, like, double and, like, down blocks well in college. This is just a rookie moment, kind of a rookie game for him. He'll be fine. But technically, this hits in Bobby's gap. Now, that gap is wider because of what happens to Cam. But Well, Bobby, and Maffe is so wide. Yeah. Like, I'm surprised he didn't hard – I guess he's got to be careful about the cutback, but Bobby's just not able to disengage. That that is a hard ask for him. Um, if there was more constrict, if the gap wasn't, it was more narrow, via Cam Young taking, not getting washed. But like they're they're sound for this, at least like from a leverage standpoint. So that B gap right there yeah, is Bobby's. And Bobby gets too thick here, doesn't he? Yeah. And like that's kind of weird because that's what they were doing last year. They were taking things on way thicker than they needed to, not playing like half a man. Even when they were like in one high. Yeah. It's like Bobby thinks this is going to cut back here now. I don't know. He doesn't. He doesn't expect Young to get moved like that. Honestly, no. If if Young doesn't, then Bobby is probably okay in that. The ball... and Brooks makes the tackle through this gap, but it's not there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it really starts with the nose tackle, right? Yeah, but that's a tough task, and they're very good. Because what the, what's been happening is the nose tackle play right there. They they fight through that combo and replace. Yeah, or they just are so aggressive upfield right into the center that the the guard can't even get there. They just push the center all the way back, right? Yeah, yeah. So it takes a village, really. But this, there's no knockback here from Young either. It's like just placing the hand, really. He yeah. he can play way more violent than that. He almost get. I think he knows he's going to get comboed. He's almost overthinking about that guy rather than just smacking the crap out. Mm. Like a self-fulfilling prophecy. So I think this is the next play after that, which was a nine-yard run. And again, this is tricky because the tight end is here. Uh, now Cleveland's using a wide receiver coming in to do the same action. So Seattle's in. Are they? Is this man coverage? Yeah, I think this is man. So... So technically, because it's cover one, Seattle has um, 
the extra fitter already in the box on the tight end. Um, in terms of how that impacts them, well, they've already got a guy in the B-gap bubble in Bobby Wagner. And then with this guy going across, what you'd expect is these guys to... Uh, either Adams can run with it or, or they could roll. But I think Adams just runs with it. Yeah. So no, and this was, is that, that was cleaner. much better from Mafe. Yeah, he's more in tune to it. You see how he's he's in a tighter alignment. Um he also understands what he's getting and that first step across with the tackle. He's basically because he's tighter, when the tackle goes away, he can condense and squeeze on the edge, get his eyes inside. Yeah. He he's already seen that this guy's coming. He, he um, he's he's level with the tackle and he's square. He just needs to hit the tackle. <laughs> Well, but like he manages to spill it, right? Oh, like, no, he, but like on the he he does so well, he could have tackled the running back, is what I'm saying. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then you see how that down block to the bubble, how that hurts. Like the, that's Bobby getting affected now. So the bubbles are an issue on the play side of, of gap scheme. Oh, no, this isn't even what am I talking about? This is zone, the split zone, but it's the same issue how bubbles are a problem. Um, yeah, this Wait. is, but but I think this is cool because Whoa, really, if if they make the tackle here, they've fixed the issue by having Jamal already in the box, and he is actually involved because he's right. playing on the man on the. So wait, wait. Does that mean Jamal needs to fall back then with the Y? Yeah, I think that's how they're playing it. Okay. I think Jamal's man on this guy, and he does. Well, that that's an illustration of why playing cover one is tough to defend the run out of because of pullers and all right like if if, if Maffei hasn't if Maffei didn't play this that well who is here you know yeah it's kind of a rough call and look at Diggs Diggs knows he kind of has to be a cutback player yeah which is why teams will when this guy goes along and Seattle could have this tool down the line teams will roll this guy into the post and roll this guy down to get the leverage. Right. Oh, right, right. Is that what you meant by rock and roll? Yes. Okay, yeah. Yeah, you got to do that then because they're kind of screwed here. Yeah, they kind of get away with it. But I still like the um, adjustment of Mafe, um mm. and at least Bobby in the B means this is less... Having a guy immediately in the B, it means it's less uh, room. And Cam Young can... Uh, he drops the knee this time. Tries to get more separation. He still gets uprooted, though. So that's something we're going to have to watch with him, I think. Yeah. So who has the quarterback here? Is it Maffei and he just Bobby. makes a great play? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, it's kind of wild. Yeah, that's that's uh, Nwosu stuff from Boy Maffei. Little stuff that adds up. He's accounting for a lot right there. Yeah, he's playing quarterback. There, yeah, they're in an awful call here. Actually, I I I was wrong. The yeah the the 
playing cover one to this is really difficult. Yeah, yikes. Mafia just settles well to... Yeah, if, if Walker keeps this... Um, yeah. Jamal Adams has to make an impressive play. <laughs> mm -hmm. Or digs. Uh, and now 48-18. So there's the stack again. So, and they're in too high, so the nickel cannot be involved here right now. Yeah. If 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 when the when the tight end splits across on the split zone run, because um, there's no way there's no way Witherspoon at the bottom of the screen can fold into the B gap, or if Derek Hall at the bottom of the, the at the left outside linebacker spot left edge, if he slants, great, but then he's still the front side C gap player at that yeah. point. Devin Witherspoon would be so it's just he can't be in the fit here with that formation. Yeah. So what they've done is. Um put Brooks in the B-gap and because it's trips, they're able to slide. Um, but you would think that Adams would be involved reading this, right? Right. He would be the seventh primary fitter. Adams playing strong safety right now, uh, people. Or safety where Spoon is the nickel. Mm -hmm. So this just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, One, this doesn't make any sense at all. Miles I, I Adams is getting rocked, unfortunately. He had a bad drive on this drive. Um, he gets reached later in the drive. So that kind of gets the party started for the Browns is, is Miles getting the one technique getting uprooted again. Taylor's then, hard charging off the edge without recognizing this threat or what was actually going on because... So, yeah. So, I mean... Ideally, I don't. So when he when Njoku splits back across the formation, he and the tackle form three gaps on yep. the backside, right? Yeah. And there are only two defenders back there between yep. Taylor and Brooks. So I feel like Brooks is trying to fall back on the backside of the tackle to fit one of the gaps off of Taylor on the tight end, yep. and then Adams has to fit that third gap, but. It would make was, more sense to spill, wouldn't it? And then have Adams play the outside. Right. But like, like you don't want to abandon the B gap. So then I'd yeah, I'd it would make more sense to me to have um Brooks over like stacking um stacking Adams, Miles Adams here almost, or like stacking the guard, keying this, and then when it comes back, Taylor Spilling it. Brooks still playing the B, right? But stepping He's with the it. flow a bit more. Yeah. And then Bobby Bobby ends up ending up where he is, really. Um Yeah, Bobby has to be the A gap player. But if Brooke because if Brooks um was here, then I don't think this uh guard stays on Adams as long. I think it tightens this up slightly. Yeah. Um and I think this tackle has to come and get him more, which would so then at put Adam, and then yeah. if Taylor spills it, then Adams. But I guess it's about Adams in space on on PJ Walker if he's playing right. in the quarter. But yeah, the, this is not great. I don't understand. So I feel like Brooks is trying to be the quarterback player too, kind of, isn't he? Yeah. 
So Brooks well, has that, to that, be locked to the B gap, and then Taylor needs to spill, and then Jamal just needs to come downhill into the yeah. flat. Yeah, but, but they're playing this with, like, six-man spacing, basically. The way that this front plays, and Taylor could have just messed up, but the way the front plays with Taylor almost playing, like, the quarterback player, uh, it plays like they've got six for, like, their one light. When really yeah. we should th- we'd think that Adams would be involved, and he plays as though he kind of is involved. I don't know. Well, and then like how much of it is just Jamal always wanting to get involved, right? Yeah, because we saw it on the um, not the previous play, but the the play before he he looked like he was getting getting involved. Right. You see, Hall's pointing out um, the Y off to uh... right. Everyone in the front, yeah. But and and if you are playing with six man spacing, you have to spill. If you're playing down a gap, you always spill. So I feel like Taylor just kind of misjudges his angle. I don't know why. I don't know why Brooks is so. He's like over cheating the play. Yeah. Unless they. No. Yeah. It. It. It just. Something that they will revisit, I think, and and they'll be like, we need to align a bit different to this, um, and right. assign. I don't think they'll see much why off against the Ravens though, because they want. This Andrews. is see, like this is the next play. Watch what Taylor does here. He, they they stunt him. Yeah. Um. Now Seattle's playing one here. Yeah. yeah. Man, that's so messed up, though. <laughs> Taylor does make a good recovery. It's so messed up. Because <laughs> why I say it's messed up, people, is um, it's the same thing of if this is Adams' guy, then he has to filter across all this trash. Like, they're basically a gap light to where the a man light, so yeah. uh, to the point of attack. So the stunt kind of helps them out. Bullshit the uh, math. Yeah, three gaps, two players. It's not. It's not good. It's it's a lot of stress on Taylor and Brooks here, and anyone in that position. The, and they stunt like both sides, so they basically get into a, a tight four look. But the. Taylor just makes a great play here, really. Yeah. Because this is looking like trouble. The, is this stuff, though, Griff, the, the kind of like lack of... Um, like Cleveland having a good play on paper and Seattle not having that extra answer? Well, this is their extra answer, but like... Well, what it in does the is past it seemed sound, whereas this seems a bit like oh, this is a bit tight. So if if this is their in-game adjustment, it's it allows Bobby to fall back and get untouched. Or if he falls back and does get picked off, like the tackle does, that means Taylor is free again, right? That's right. why Taylor makes the play. Yeah. So them them pirating on the front side of it frees up Bobby to sift back, and I think that's how this play call has life. Yeah. But otherwise, why are they so determined to play cover one? Like, this is all just to make cover one work with the run scheme. Well, no, um, it seems... Co- I'd say cover one was their answer to this look, right? 
but why though? Just because it makes it so hard to fall they've back. They've got so little cover one usually. Um, why? Because um, they wanted the. I don't know. They they wanted the extra guy. They wanted to be able to. Um, then just play cover because three. because because it means that Bobby doesn't have to. Bobby can free be the fast flow player and be spare basically. And Even, not have like a not have like a zone responsibility that matters. Well, like, and also Adams has got like this area now. Mm. Even though it seems like he's doing very little. It just feels like they're conflicting themselves so much, but I like the adjustment they made right there. No, what I'd say is how are they conflicting themselves? Well, because of what it because when the tight end falls back, right? They're the bubble. They've got you know they're not playing fallback mechanics, like like normally if this was cover three, right? Well, I, I get. I'd I'd say there's less, uh, there's less conflict. Like Bobby doesn't even have to worry about falling back. He just has to find the ball, and Brooks can, Brooks can aggressively charge up here because he doesn't have to worry about his own. Like his man has the football, um, mm. and Adams is like the spare dude who's eventually going to get there. But yeah, the 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 QB keeper out here is would be really worrying. Like, I'm surprised they didn't keep it with this because they still have the numbers. <laughs> like, yeah. Injoku up to Brooks, and that's that's um, and a keeper is because that's the real issue. The real issue is that Adams's extra gap is going over here, and there's no one accounting for it. Right. But luckily, they hand the ball off. Hmm. This is why I'm uh, said to uh, make sure, guys, you check out the the podcast with um with Derek where we previewed the Ravens matchup. It's why I'm worried if, if Baltimore like watches this, just bloody keep the ball. Like um because you you can all see it. And Joku blocks Brooks, the quarterback keeps the football. Um this guy is responsible for this because they're not rolling down in the man coverage with it. Yeah. Like, why? I don't know why he didn't keep the ball. Really, I guess he sees Brooks show up there. But well, I don't. I I think they won't need to worry too much about this specifically from the Ravens because that they're not going to run a lot of Y off. The tight end is going to be on no. the line of screen. Yeah, and this is the first injuries. time I've seen Seattle get like Y off at this this um this amount this like high yeah, rate to this know? degree. Yeah. Yeah. So now that's running cover three. And it naturally gives them better because they've got a force player going to where the split action's coming towards. Secondary force player. Still not great though. So there's spilling and then love fits off He's the I don't know what Bobby's player. doing here. Uh, trying to make the pirate right. 
but he doesn't key this like well does he he doesn't need to i don't think because of this yeah there's there's no a gap to fall into right yeah this is just the space the space running out like so yeah and because they're they're because Taylor's spilling it, Brooks doesn't need to fall back either. He just yeah, they have the right the amount of guys now, don't they? Yeah. Except for the QB keeper. Yeah. Yeah, you're always going to be outnumbered for that, I guess. So that little bit of movement on Reed is just enough. Yeah, they're... They were really good at their, how they comboed the nose. So because Brooks, so the, the B-gap player, though, he can't just charge his B-gap like he had been in previous weeks because he wants to be an extra quarterback player. So normally yeah, Brooks would just go like assault that B-gap right there inside yeah. 71. But he that has seems to wait so like lateral. It seems so like he, I don't understand you can't allow, ask your B-gap player to do that and then worry about falling back to the quarterback. But I guess that's what right. they're doing, isn't it? Right. It seems really difficult. And, and like, um, not the best allocation of resources. Surely Taylor should spill this. And his spill isn't great. Surely you've got to trust Love on, on the quarterback. Like, Brooks, just go get it, you know? Yeah. I don't know. What's the chat saying? Cameron says, feels like this is a running scheme you want a true nose for. I mean, extra mass would help, but really the... Um, uh, really, how they'd killed this in the past was quickness. Mm. Not that they faced this kind of wide-off scheme, but having like a quick explosion and power to then smash the center back and not even have to worry too much about the combo because you've got real knockback into the backfield kind of killed the play. Well, and they, they also played a lot of five-man fronts too. And that just makes the bubble management so much easier. Oh, you mean when they had a true nose? Well, just when they played reduced over, reduced under, like back in the day even. Like when they saw a lot of split zone, like against the Jeff Fisher Rams and stuff. Oh, right, played, right, right, right. You know, they're... Yeah, yeah, th this is more of a, yeah, this, is, this isn't really a personnel problem in terms of that. It's more... It's a structure a, thing. Yeah, and it's a really good run for the structure of the uh, the front, um, which is, again, why, like, I think it's a big thing for them to learn from. Um, am I crazy or did Brooks miss a few run fits, asked Akahi? Um, I think it's just that B gap is tough, just like it was for Bobby. Yeah, when he found I, I himself. Think, and and he, they're worrying about the quarterback keeping the football, which I I don't think should be Brooks's deal. But he's definitely playing cautious, so he could fall back for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, but yeah, the Lamar thing is is slightly concerning to me on that. Uh, last play though, I think they they came up with a solution. Oh, they actually decide to keep the ball. Oh, do they keep it on this one? But what's interesting here, I don't know if this is Hall being told to do this, but he 
plays the tackle. Which just janks up the timing because this guy's going for the unblocked end man. Mm-hmm. And he has to bubble out, which allows uh, Spoon to... Yeah, they just... It's really hard to get a good block run in the NFL because of how fast everyone is and how good they are getting off blocks and coming up. So like here, it looks like a touchdown almost, right? Like, bang. This is three weeks guy again, though. Brooks handles that really well. That's kind of crazy. Yeah. What's the down distance here? First and ten. Yeah, and they're expecting run because it's that kind of milky clock situation. Cam Young gets moved again by that combo. Is this a pressure of Adams? No. I don't think so. Could be. Uh, No, it won't be. But yeah, it's interesting this this play from Hall, like if that's by design or like if that was their adjustment was to just go, hey, just smack the tackle and then we'll let Brooks play in here to here with the Yeah, well it's one way to ensure you you spill the gap too, right? Yeah, you're essentially almost two gapping to take the air out of this, right? Yeah, but like you, but you're also spilling the the tight end no matter what. Yes, yeah, yeah. Just because you're attached to the backside hip. Yeah, although not taking the block on, but yeah. Anyway, so that yeah. run did concern me because it was the first time I've seen them have real difficulties with like the same concept each time from the same look. It's quite. It's not massively easy to replicate in that, as we said, Cleveland's guards are really good, but um, and how they work with their center, but yeah, definitely something they'll see again, I think, and maybe against the Ravens. Like they have Ricard Griff, like uh, Ricard is the way off doing that. Yeah, but um. They're not using a lot of 12 personnel. And they're not going to take Andrews off the field, are they? Or are they? I, I guess I need to watch more of that. I hope, I, yeah, well, I hope they don't do it because, yeah. It'll be interesting. Yeah. and But, yeah, I'm sure Seattle will have uh, seen well, it. And, and, if the, and if they play Penny, that part of it, the motion won't be as much of a problem. It will be... The, the down the knock on or the downstream effect of coverage issues handling running back to the flat with having one of your outside linebackers be a coverage player. Yep. All right, Griff, should we move to the offense? Yeah. We don't necessarily have to do tape, but I think we should definitely give our um our overviews. So for me the the first drive would or the first drives were a case of the plays that uh Waldron called were open or when it came for Gino to improvise, he was excellent at improvising and creating 
uh, when structure was breaking down or when he felt the need to kind of speed things up and he was noticeably uh, remarked on it live as well, saw it live. Um, it was quite obvious that he was really playing quick, like with the pass rush. Uh, Carroll commented that that was kind of a point of emphasis heading into the game as well. Then as the game progressed, Gino missed a few throws uncharacteristically, like f- through inaccuracy. Uh, mm-hmm. Kind of happened towards DK Metcalf, which is weird. And stuff that, um, yeah, stuff that, you know, their runs, like, uh, inconsistent. There's just general inconsistency in execution on the offense. But I didn't really have an issue with uh, Waldron's play, play design or anything like that. They just got against a, that a defense that good. You have to execute pretty damn well, and the execution d- d- died off in various areas. And then when it came to it in the final drive, they were able to put something together and finish. Yeah, agreed. Um, yeah, I after watching, I kind of came away encouraged. Um, when the game ended, I felt kind of you know fifty fifty half half class full. <laughs> or glass half full, glass half empty. You know, I wasn't really sure where I stood just because, um, I mean, they had four scoring drives against the Browns. They very easily could have had five. Um, I really feel like, the, the, I really feel like, um, you know, Gino completes two more passes that he hits all the time, like that one speed out to DK that he skidded. And then um, on that two-minute drill leading up to the half, and then that one, where he throws it low on that slant to DK. Really feel like they hit those, they are moving on those drives. Um, and the sh- that's something that he hits all the time. So like, I'm not worried about that as a theme. Um, if you just imagine like one less interception and then he ha- hits a couple more things that he normally hits, they're having a really good day. And that's while kind of the protection holding off abject disaster but really not holding up that well. Like the protection was not great. It just wasn't terrible. Um, Bradford was kind of an issue, but yeah, it was cool to see that like their structure had life throughout this game. Um, I didn't come away from this game worried about Gino in the turnover worthy sense. Uh, I, I felt the first interception of DK, like you, you, I mean, one, it's like, it's a one read thing. It's you're looking, you're looking, reading the corner pre-snap. When he th- he gets the ball out as quickly as you can, um, the placement is accurate. The only thing I think the only quibble you make with Gino on that f- play is that if you leave some margin for error, so lead him a little bit, but he still put the ball like right in his breadbasket. Like he threw it accurately. It's just the corner made an incredible play. And if how many how many comebacks how many speedouts does Gino hit to DK? If you pause all of those plays at the release point and look at where the corner is relative to DK. He's thrown those balls with an even tighter coverage um, on DK for the corner. Really like my take home from that interception is just an insane play by the corner. Like that's truly like the ability to, to drive on that and close on it is insane. I don't really think Gino did anything wrong. He just could have been better on it. And that would have been like lead lead Gino or lead DK a little bit more on it. But like, he, it's not like he, he shouldn't have had the expectation the corner would have drove on it. The only other thing is that the corner saw that play earlier. So maybe he was being antsy for it. And then at that point I would kind of think Waldron, 
but it's not like Gino like reading it wrong or like that's what he was supposed to do. Um, so beyond that, like I only and then the the one dropped interception from the throw to Jackson, like Pete said, Jackson threw the wrong route. So in my eyes, as far as isolating the quarterback performance, I just think that one interception on that third down to Fant. Beyond that, I'm thinking, okay, I can live with one interception against the Browns. Hit the stuff that you can't hit, and like there was a there was a room for like a pretty big day for the offense. Honestly, um, beyond that, yeah. So I, so that that may sound because that sounds a bit frustrating to kind of hear us say that. I guess because I, I agree, um, but I, I think it's important to emphasize that it's different to other struggles. In that, I think this is the first game I've felt. You know, Gino missed stuff you through accuracy issues or just not quite being on the same page with DK in particular. Um, and part of that's also being sped up crazy, right? Oh, um, definitely by that but, pass rush, yeah. Yeah, but, um, you know, past weeks that hasn't been the issue. The, the issue's been, you know, other things like being overconfident in what he sees. Um, now, the pick was was probably, probably that, but... Um, or, or just like weird play calling, like people not being open on the play design for whatever reason, um, bad stuff. But this week I felt was kind of new issues to, to contend with, along with when you play a great opponent and those things are a problem, then, you know, you get in a bigger hole. Like, So I think the signs of the offense are pretty positive moving forward, right? In that I, uh, yeah. And I think I some mean, of those they, accuracy things from Gino is him not like fully setting his feet, which is very unlike Gino. Um, and again, like you said, sped up, right? Yeah, and that's past. That's you know, the past he, version. He, yeah. he did a he did a lot of things really well this game, like in terms of like preventing losses. Like he did a lot of loss prevention this game. Yeah, like the did. first quarter as well. Like this. Right, I mean the first three drives, three drives, seventeen points. Like that's that's awesome, you know. Um, and then some of those failed drives in the middle of the game, like even some of them had life, but then like you get a penalty, it's second and twenty against the Cleveland Browns, you know. Um, you know, you don't want to be in second and twenty ever against the Cleveland Browns. Um, and then like they had a couple of drives where just the structure was failing. But you're going to have those drives where against the Cleveland Browns, where not every drive is going to be successful. That's the whole point. It's just be cleaner here and there. You might have had five scoring drives this game, you know. Um, I mean, yeah, the, the, that's the, that's the thing for me. If they'd got the field goal, like rather than the pick at the end of the half, right, and then they'd got the field goal rather than the DK slant miss, which could have, you know, that drive could have been even better than that because that would have put them in third and short if they convert that. If 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 if, but if they convert that, then you know, that drive maybe can turn out differently, uh, maybe with a touchdown, but. You know, add two field goals, and then it becomes a much more comfortable game. It's a I think Dino, game. Yeah. and I think Dino, there's a bit less pressing. There's a bit less stuff. Um, yeah, yeah. So, but but they, it's it speaks to the fact that they had it within their grasp to do that realistically. Yeah, and I it's, think like Pete Carroll is always going to um, defend his quarterback and be positive about his quarterback, like. When it's the starter, you know, it's a guy who's earned the job, um, a guy who they've semi-paid, given a three-year contract, although it's kind of a one-year slash three-year, or one-year slash two-year slash three-year. They've, yeah. they've got various opportunities to get out of that. But um, 
I think he would be more negative about the offense if, if you know, it warranted it. Like, I think his he's always going to be a positive guy as well, but I think like, he's not capping. Like, there is... um, <laughs> I think you'd hear it if it were, had been bad. Uh, yeah. Or, or well, in, what in I should say is I think he's, he's being pretty honest about what's transpiring. I... Right. And he... Uh... I mean, the game-winning drive is also it, it. It's it's a nice capper, you know. It puts a good taste in people's mouths. You know, it makes it easier to stomach the the other things, right? Yeah, and maybe they. I I wonder if they lean into like using some tempo a bit earlier in games as a way of kind of kickstarting things when mm. you know execution for whatever reason is kind of rusty. Um, maybe just as a way of changing it up a bit. Because they kind of get stuck in ruts, or or maybe to open the second half with it, right? Right. That's um, what they did with Russ, wasn't it? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Also, and like they they had zero red zone woes really this game. You yeah, know? it was all yeah, yeah. Um, although I mean, he created on one of them, scrambled right. Um, that's not really structure. No, well, it's like I said. Like I, I actually thought a lot of the good stuff from the, from the score, the early scoring was only happens. You know, the the only get the results of like the two touchdowns from Gino's ability to improvise, like extend the play to a degree. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So the Ravens are going to be a big test, which again we did preview of Derek Clarkson. Uh, they've they've got a really good defense, so. But I also think they're kind of due like a complete game. It's also uh, yeah. which is what Jay's just pointed out. If they can ever put together a complete game, it's going to be scary good. Yeah, it is. I think I th- honestly, but I think you the also O-line... don't want to be that. Sorry, Griff, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. We don't want to be that team who is doing the complete games now. Yeah, but so th- this team. It, it wasn't capable of doing complete games earlier on in the year because of the injuries. Like the defense isn't what it is really till like week three in terms of just getting the guys on the field. I'm um, uh, I prefer week four. Well, results wise, yes, but like well, well, like well, week three Jamal was their Adams week first one. Game. There, yeah, there you go. Like that was their week one. Like th- th- this team was always going to get better throughout the year, considering what happened to them in August, pretty much. Um. And like we said, if this Sunday is the first game where they have Cross, Lewis, Brown, Haynes, yeah, that's that's well, like the first time. So the Ravens have they've got a good D tackle. Jadavion Clowney is getting pressure, but this is n- the least talented D line they faced since really like what the Rams game. Yeah, Maybe it's the more Lions about, game. It's more about Evan Brown making some really good calls in pass pro. It's about Gino being not organized. forcing stuff into, you know, a dropping guy from the line of scrimmage, like he or or, or being, you know, back yourself, but don't be uh really overconfident or, you know, brash. Yeah. yeah. So I feel like if they can be organized, if they can be communicate, I think they can win the matchup battle. Right, like the one-on-one matchup battle, I think that can be to their favor. At least they win it more than they lose it. Um, um, at least offense, defense. Uh, 
Um, on the other side of the ball, I'm really curious to see what happens, man. Yeah. <laughs> Aren't we all? <laughs> Is it just, we, am I the only one that's curious to see what happens? I'm the only one who's curious to see what happens uh, anybody Lamar else? Jackson with the defense. I'm actually slightly nervous, but in our comment section, it was pointed out um, by Camden, friend of the show, that um, a Witherspoon as like, and his impact in the slot uh, against Lamar could be interesting. Yep. Yeah, because yeah. we, we, I spoke to Derek about how, well, we spoke to Derek, but I, I kind of mentioned in that discussion about how you could have Adams maybe and Brooks kind of paying attention to Jackson in different ways. But yeah, Spoon kind of inside, it could be a big moment for him there. Yeah, agreed. Well, there you go, chat. That's our show. Please do like the video, comment, uh, subscribe to the channel. If you're listening, five-star reviews. Follow Griff at CMikeSpinMove. Follow me at Matty F. Brown. We'll be back Sunday with a post-game show. It'll be after the afternoon slate of games. So even though the game kicks off at 10 a.m. Pacific time, we'll be live following the afternoon slate of games after Pete Carroll's press conference and hopefully talking about a really impressive all-sides-of-the-ball all victory. Make sure you do check out Griff's video on Leonard Williams, the new Seahawks defensive lineman, Big Cat Leo. And I will have a video on a Seahawks player coming out tomorrow, which is Friday, if you're listening, uh, post-live or watching post-live, on a Seahawks player that no one will expect a breakdown on. So how about that? Mm. See if you can guess who it is. Is it Jake Bobo? No. We did Jake Bobo the other week. Like the stream, comment, etc., etc. Sorry, it was like just us trying to work out their their run fits. I hope that was enjoyable. If you found that enjoyable, let well, us yeah, know. we had done offense our... for three weeks. We kind of owed yeah. you just looking at run fits for ages. People got to see our process of like working things out in real time. Yeah, yeah, because it, it needed some of that. Um, yeah, and we don't know the exact way that they're they're doing run defense quite yet. Our, our sources haven't quite revealed that. They're, but they they're will. Not, they're not singing yet. No. They will, though. They will. They will. What if we, like, never see that man coverage call again versus why off all year long? And it's or, just they, like a... or we do see it, but they rock and roll. They they play it like City. Yeah. Yeah. How do, you, how do you not spin the safeties there? I don't get it. How do you not just have... How do you not? Because it happens too fast and they're scared about not having a post player. Against PJ Walker. You not? Against PJ Walker. They're so like unprepared. They're just you've, vibing. You've got Tariq Woolen and Devin Witherspoon. You can handle the post. Oh. A love video would be lovely, would it, Jay? Well, what if I told you this player had never taken a snap of offense or defense? I like this. I like this. Oh, Mojombo is getting close. We're getting super niche here. Tyler Johnson is Michael Dixon, everyone. Ooh, yep, you're all on the right lines, but, but no cigar. Find out tomorrow and make sure you, you check out Griff's video. All right, thanks, chat.